Welcome, welcome back, everybody. Whoa, that was a crazy intro. Welcome back, everybody, to the Stephen Talk Soccer Podcast. I'm back again in the booth again like I never left. Make sure to download and to subscribe to the Stephen Talk Soccer Podcast on whatever platform you listen to, whether that's Apple Podcasts or whether that's on Google Podcasts, whether that's on Spotify. I'm absolutely everywhere. Go and check out your boy at Stephen Talk Soccer. I have plenty more content coming out on the way. And like I said, this visual component, I know I've been prolonging it. It will be coming soon as well. I promise it's not just been a saying. I'm just saying to get you guys interested. The visual component will be uh, introduced and implemented uh, in the near future. In the meantime, I'm back again with more Premier League breakdowns. I definitely have been a bit uh, lacking. Saying that as I watched Marcus Rashford juggle just before Manchester Manchester United play against Everton on the Friday, which is when I'm recording this, in the FA Cup. Um, Again, as always, this is the home of elite football knowledge and as well as controversial football takes. Um, again, let's get, straight, let's get straight into the business of this episode. I will be doing a very, very quick double fire, you know, of each team and, or let's say the big six teams, should I say, and then doing their two games that they played in, in both this past match week and then the one they had just last week as well, which is only a couple of days ago, because of course, Premier League football comes thick and fast in the blink of an eye before you even know what the next game is on. And let's start off with the table toppers, currently top of the Premier League. Arsenal Football Club versus Brighton and Hove Albion, or as I call them, Brighton Munich. Now, this game finished 4-2 for Arsenal, the away side in the in the fixture. And from minute one, I knew Arsenal were going to win this game. I had predicted that they would win this game. And my predictions have actually been going pretty well recently. I seem to be, you know, continuously finding a way to... Uh, um, I, I keep finding a way to uh, get these predictions correct. And I did it again in this case. And I mean, from the, like I said, with Saka scoring in the second minute of the game, which again, I knew was going to happen. Arsenal looked hungry from minute one. They looked determined to win the game. And they were absolutely brilliant. I mean, this team looks genuinely unstoppable. I put out a tweet saying, like, why are we surprised Arsenal won this game? I know Brighton were very good, but I mean, Arsenal continued to win in any shape, way, form, form possible this season. This game was no different. It felt like a real, you know, culmination moment. Like, okay, like, they're a serious club now. They're going to go further further ahead in the table. Manchester City had just drawn with Everton, you know, earlier that day or the day after, whatever it was. So we're all thinking, okay, you know, clearly this is Arsenal's moment to really you know, trudge on and, and really make a push to cement themselves as, as leaders of the of the Premier League. Of course, I mean, um, the next game obviously was a draw with Newcastle, but we'll stick on this one for now. And uh, again, this game was a brilliant game of football. Six goals, and it could have been at least like 10. Brighton had at least two or three goals. One of them was disallowed for for offside. I think two of them were actually. It could have been 4-4 at one point. I mean, I had a 3-1 prediction for Arsenal finish 4-2. Goals from Saka, from Martin Odegaard, who had the game of his life yet again. Looking like Steph Curry with that, you know, that three-point shot celebration. They did a little step back, a la James Harden, step back celebration. And then you had... um, Eddie Nketiah, and like I say, whenever Nketiah scores for Arsenal, you know the game is done. So when he scored, you knew Arsenal were going to win no matter what. And then Martinelli, who scored a brilliant, brilliant, after a brilliant through ball pass from Odegaard. It's one of the best passes I've seen all season. It was, for me, it's, it is the assist of this week, of this first week. I'll have two assists of the week, and I'll have two goals of the week. And for this week, it's, this is definitely the assist of the week. It was brilliant. Brilliant ball from Odegaard. Absolutely sensational. The way it ripped through the whole defense and found its way to Martinelli. At that time, it had made it uh, 4-2 for Arsenal. Oh, sorry, 4-1. And then uh, we had, obviously, goals for Brighton, which were, came from Mitoma, who's been killing it this season. My my days. Every time he plays for Brighton nowadays, he seems to be, you know, the real sense of of, of um, attacking intent and purpose and goals and 
you know, contribution to, to winning matches and just simply being an outlet and a nuisance for Brighton, especially since Trussard has been injured recently. He's really stepped up and kind of taken over the, uh, the mantle. I would say he's been definitely the main guy, the main key figure for Brighton this season. Uh, Ferguson as well. This is Ferguson, was Evan Ferguson. He came on in the, in the 60th minute and then scored only 17 minutes into his Premier League debut. He was cooking for Brighton in the, uh, PL2, which is the division, the development league beneath the Premier League for the youngsters. And he was absolutely destroying it there. He now plays in the Premier League, obviously. He scored in this game. I believe he scored twice against Everton in the game, but they battered Everton in as well. The fought the, you know, the week after this one for Brighton. Um, but yeah, just a really good game of football. Very, very riveting, very entertaining. I mean, Arsenal will be happy with this. They sit comfortably now atop the Premier League team. Not comfortably because City did end up winning yesterday, so the gap is shortened. But uh, comfortable after this game in particular, of course. And it just, they know they're picking, they're picking up away wins that they typically would drop points in. And nowadays, it's hard to see where Arsenal are going to drop points in games. And we're trying to figure out which team can stop them from doing so. And I mean, in this game, like I said, it didn't happen. But to, we'll kind of switch over to the two teams that these two teams played against next in... Um, in uh what's it called in Everton for Brighton and for Newcastle for for Arsenal. So let's go straight to the Brighton side of things. Brighton then played Everton in the ne- in their next fixture, and they went, went went away to the Goodison Park and they you know they won four one at Goodison Park. So after losing four two at home to Arsenal, they ended up winning four one at Everton. Really really good result for them. Again, I, I expected Brighton to beat them. Let's be real. Um, Everton have been. Arguably one of the worst teams in the Premier League this season alongside the Southamptons of this world. Uh, you know, we could argue the Bournemouths recently as well. Really just been poor, like really, 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 really poor. You could argue Wolves have been that bad too. Uh, but yeah, Brighton completely battering up, um, battering up Everton from, you know, left and right all over the place and just making them look, look foolish. It was just a, you know, like a game where, Everton never really turned up. And you had goals again from Matoma, again, Evan Ferguson, and an assist from Evan Ferguson as well. He's just, for Sully March and then Pascal Gross, it just, it's ridiculous. This Brighton team, really, they're special. One of the best teams I've seen play this season. And, I mean, Grand Potter left his mark on Brighton and they, they've continued to grow and blossom. Uh, hopefully the same thing can be said for Chelsea later on. We'll see. Uh, I have confidence it will be, but definitely not in the near future. But moving on. Because as Brighton won that match, Arsenal also won their game as well against, not on one side, they drew the game against Newcastle 0-0 at the Emirates Stadium. Again, a very good game. First versus, I believe, was third place at the time. It could have been second, actually, uh, at the Emirates Stadium. Of course, like I said, really good game of football. A very, very, very thrilling, a very eye-catching 0-0. Yes, the scoreline wasn't, you know, full of goals. And maybe for the neutral, you want goals to go in the back of the net because that's obviously what makes you entertained and interested. But for a football purist, this is a brilliant game of football and Arsenal who probably could have won this game, to be honest. You know, there's some controversial decisions going against them late in the match, as well as, uh, you know, some what we call some shithousery from Jamal LaSalle, who decided to stand in front of uh, the Arsenal throw-in being taken by Alexander Zinchenko late in the game, which, as in, while Jamal LaSalle was literally a substitute and he's wearing his bib and he's blocking off the throw-in from going into the area. I thought that was pretty funny. Um, Arsenal... Uh, we'll be disappointed not to win this game. I think at home, you'd expect to beat Newcastle. They have a great record against them, if my if my memory serves me correctly, and I think it does. And uh, overall, like I said, it was a really good game for, for Arsenal. And from what I'm seeing here, yeah, in previous fixtures, they won 3 nothing last season at home against Newcastle. And, and then the year before, they won uh, 2 nothing at home against um Newcastle again. So typically they they typically have a really good record against them. It's not often that they, they lose against um against Newcastle and they have a way of way of beating them nearly every time they play each other. So this is I was expecting another win for Arsenal again. Again, it never came, but you know, going forward they'll probably be able to continue doing damage 
in the Premier League. They play Oxford United and Arsenal in the FA Cup on uh, on Monday. And that would be a very good game. Of course, I mean, they should definitely be able to win that. But a, a away game in the FA Cup is always a tricky fixture, no matter who you're playing against. But it's one you'd expect them to win. They've been quite good this season in any competition they played in. Uh, the Gunners have. So I expect big things from them going forward. And, you know, to continue this title push that they're clearly on with Mikel Artets and company. Um, we will now move on to the next fixture, which will be Liverpool versus Leicester City. Liverpool 2, Leicester City 1. And let's be real, Liverpool never deserved to win this game against Leicester. They really, really didn't. I mean, they celebrated as if they just beaten Leicester 6 or 7 nothing at you know at Anfield. Of course, they just signed Cody Akpo, which will be a great signing. And he might make his debut, actually, in the next Premier League game, which will be nice to see. Uh, in the meantime, though, this game against Leicester, Liverpool were poor. I thought they were shocking. I didn't think they were good at all. I think recently Liverpool have been quite poor overall. I think Leicester are just worse than Liverpool, and therefore the two two own goals that made them lose was kind of symptomatic of how bad they've been this season. Dewsbury Hall scoring in the fourth minute for Leicester was a brilliant, 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 brilliant goal. And the way it kind of cut through straight through the Leicester midfield, and that finish, that little Mesut Ozil finish, as we call it, where you hit the ball into the ground, and then it kind of, you know, fumbles over the keeper and goes into the back of the net. That little, you know... It's a weird technique, but it's very effective. And again, especially seeing it from a left-footer like Dewsbury Hall is, it was very nice to see. And it just just tells you how you know uh, how informed he might be and continue to be for Leicester, despite how bad they are as a squad. He might continue to develop and become a more and more important and vital player for them. And just an overall very good English footballer, which I think is exactly what the England national team will want and what you know any big club in England looking for a player of his profile will want as well going forward. Of course, Wout Fisch scoring two own goals. Which is incredible. Scoring two goals in the span of seven minutes, looking like Martin Skirtle, if you know, you know, for Liverpool back in the day, who used to love scoring own goals for Liverpool or again, yeah, for Liverpool but against Liverpool, like for his team. But you know what I mean. Martin Skirtle scored in scoring in his own net, his own net being the Liverpool net. And uh, same thing happened for Fish here, scoring in his own in his own net, the Leicester goal, giving two, giving Liverpool two goals in the game. And I mean, one of them was just sheerly, just truly unlucky, and the other one was. Just shocking from him. I think the Darwin Nunez one should never be a goal from uh, Nunez's perspective. It's a great chip from Nunez. He really should. It should just be going in because of the you know the weight and the precision and the chip that he made, the deftness of the chip. But for it to hit off the post and go off Fish into the back of the net is outrageous in my mind. And for that to happen, it kind of made me laugh. But as football for you, Leicester did come out strong in the second half and did you know did did give it uh, an effort in trying to win. However, it was not enough. It wasn't to be. And, uh, you know, they lose again. And just like they did in their next fixture against Fulham, which I'll get to in a second. But from a Liverpool perspective, Liverpool also lost. They lost 3-1 against Brentford at way at the G-Tech Stadium or the, you know, whatever you want to call it, the Brentford Community Stadium, as I call it. There's, you know, it's written everywhere else. Um, Liverpool actually were, I mean, they weren't terrible. But defensively, they looked quite poor, especially in that midfield, which we've all been talking about for months now. Liverpool fans will say the same thing, that they know they need to get new midfielders in. They have been linked with, uh, you know, Wolverhampton Wanderers is Portuguese international. Of course, he's Portuguese. He'll face for Wolves. But uh, uh, Mateus Nunez, that is. And he's just, I mean, sheer quality. We will get to Nunez in a minute. He's just a fantastic footballer. I think he would suit Liverpool to a T if they were to, you know, snap him up. But Brentford just... I mean, they've been absolutely sensational against the top sides in the Premier League this season. Chelsea drawing Tottenham. They drew with Tottenham as well. They, I mean, they beat United at home 4-0. They beat Liverpool here 3-1. You know, they beat Manchester City away at the Etihad. Like, it's just the only team they couldn't beat is Arsenal, which says a lot about Arsenal's quality and how good Brentford is that we're only seeing one team in the top six. They weren't able to, you know, 
pick up at least a positive result from. And this game is very, very positive result. And I mean, if Johan Visser was able to get his goals to be given as onside as opposed to offside, as he had two offside goals, I believe, then, you know, things might have been different. But the fact that obviously they were given for offside meant he only scored once in the game. And it was a very good goal, might I add. I mean, he was absolutely just, he was on a mission this game, Johan Visser. And he often is against bigger clubs. He always likes to turn up and put on a big performance against them. Liverpool were no different for him in his, in his eyes. Um, Again, Brian and Wayne will put a nail in the coffin. And as I'm saying that, Anthony just scores for Manchester United, making it 1-0 against Everton in the FA Cup. And uh, yeah, anyways, let's get back to the game. I mean, football is absolutely outrageous. Um, Everton are terrible. We'll get to the Liverpool's neighbours in a second. <laughs> but uh, yeah, Brentford win 3-1. Really good win for Brentford. Very, very impressive win. And it just, it just I mean, it's immense how brilliant they've been this season. If they don't do anything else, for them to pick up all these very, very impressive performances against the best sides, having minimal possession, like 27% possession in this game, I believe. They had, uh, yeah, 27%. It's ridiculous. And for them to still go on and absolutely cook their opposition, you know, even without the ball, because they're so potent when they do get it. They create chances out of nothing. And they're a very, very good um, counterattacking team. They're brilliant at that. Absolutely brilliant at it. And to see that, it it just proves... It proves, you know, what they're capable of and how, how well Thomas Frank has done. And credit to him. He's been an exceptional manager and been one of the best in the Premier League, I would add, since he's come to it. So that's how I see it. Now, from a Leicester perspective, Leicester lost one nothing at home to Fulham. And again, Leicester have just been <laughs> diabolically bad. I mean, they had a period where they're doing fairly well, actually, Leicester. And then all of a sudden, they just started to suck again. And they're back to sucking. I think they're missing James Madison more than they could ever miss any player. But I don't think Madison is the only reason why him being not there. Should have, Madison's absence isn't the only reason why Leicester have been poor. As we say, Leicester are no second-half FC. They've also been recently no first-half FC either. They don't turn up at all. And Mitrovic, again, who's scoring goals on a regular basis, it's almost like every day that you wake up, you open your eyes, it's a new day that Mitrovic has scored for Fulham. It's just, it is what it is. Again, another assist from Willian, who's seeming to, you know, roll back the years as, as, if, as if he's playing for Chelsea, giving a pass to Diego Costa. Brilliant ball from Willian to find Mitrovic, who looks like he's going to keep scoring at this rate and just continue to tear up the Premier League. Surely a big club will be sniffing and looking at it. Maybe a Manchester United. I mean, who knows? They just scored right now against Everton, making it 1-0. They may not need a number nine. Um, but uh, Mitrovic has been brilliant. Leicester have been terrible this season. Really have been poor. Another team I could also go down as one of the, you know, the, the what's the word? One of the more um, underperforming sides of the season as well. But we will move on from the Leicester-Fulham game. And when we uh, we will go on to the next fixtures now, which was let's go on to Manchester United actually. Manchester United versus Wolves. Only goal coming from Marcus Rashford, who actually was the same one that just set up Anthony in the game against Everton. So you can see his form is really, really picking up now. He seems to be involved in everything for United. Goals and assists, week in, week out, game in, game out. Every time he plays, he's being a uh, contributing factor to you know to United's success. And they did it again with some really good footwork to score a very good goal against a team that United often struggle against in Wolves. But, I mean, Wolves have been terrible this season, so it's really no surprise that they lost. Uh, there's some teams in the Premier League that you just think to yourself, like, how do you end up staying here for this long and not be getting relegated at some point? I think Wolves aren't necessarily that point yet, but I feel like they're getting there. And United just punished them. Again, it was late in the game for Rashford, who didn't even start because, you know, the fact that he didn't turn up the training on time. He missed it. He woke up late, apparently. But, you know, regardless, Ten Hag put him on right decision because he came on and just... Like I said, he just became a, a beast. Great combination play with him and Bruno Fernandes, who seems to love playing an assist for Marcus Rashford nowadays, especially since Ronaldo's left. I think he's really taken over that handle, you know, um, 
Rashford, and that's a great sign. You know, you need him to be bagging and, and banging in goals, especially with Sancho also not really in the mixture. He should be he should be soon, but obviously he's taking a bit of a break from first team action for personal reasons. And because of that, I expect him to come back and help, you know, United's cause and and Rashford's cause and continuing to score goals and just be a menace in the Premier League. We expected this from Rashford. He has the potential. I mean, people were comparing him to Mbappe literally a couple of seasons ago. And it wasn't entirely wrong. I think they're similar in ways, but I think Mbappe is obviously clear. But uh, Rashford has definitely had a great season. He continues to show it, you know, again with this game I'm watching right now and also against Wolves here as well. Again, we go to over to, United, uh, to Wolves fixture. Their next game was against Villa, where they drew 1-1 in the Midlands derby. And they'll be very annoyed by that, Wolves, because, I mean, after losing against United, then going in their next game being a derby at, you know, at Villa, which is obviously a game they'd love to win. For them to draw in the fashion that they did was quite poor. And they, they, they know, honestly, they could have even lost this game. Let's be real. I mean, uh, Leon Bailey had chances, had his chance at the end of the game, which he was absolutely broken by. You could see that in his reaction when he missed that last second sitter. He rounded the keeper and then passed it to, you know, to the side of the goal. But it could have been decisive for Rastonville. And, and Wolves could have gone on to lose another game, to lose another game in a row. But they were able to get a point, which I think they'll take. But uh, Lopetegui has a lot of work to do, that's for sure. I think this Wolf team actually has some decent players. You look at Podence and Moutinho, that combination for that first goal, which was absolutely sensational. Again, really, really good you know, combination play between the two of them. Danny Ings then scoring after some really poor defending from Wolves, which, which is not something you often say, but it was shocking defending from Wolves. Which then led to to Ings being able to be you know, uh, fed into the area. And, and after some really, really weird and just, I don't know, random goalkeeping and, uh, you know, a slip from Jose, an uncharacteristic clip from Jose Sa allowed Ings to really kind of recatch his own feet after settling the ball, a brilliant ball from Tyrone Ings, might I add, and then lobbing it over the goalkeeper to make it 1-1 for the villains. I mean, Ings loves scoring a goal, loves scoring a goal against Wolves. I think it's 4-4 now for him. He'll continue to do that probably going forward. He just has that knack for scoring against this club. And for Villa fans, it's wonderful. Obviously, they want to draw and at least not to lose against their Midland rivals. So this is a great result for them. And we'll get back to the other side of things, which was for Manchester United. And in their next game, they played against Bournemouth, and they won 3-0. And I think, again, for their sake, it was an absolutely, uh, what's the word? It was really, really a dominant performance for Manchester United, for sure. They're winning 3-0 against Bournemouth, who have just been truly, truly shocking. I mean, oh, I don't even know what to say. Casemiro scoring. Casemiro has been literally a life-changer. He's been revolutionary for United. He's changed everything for them. He plays every game for them now, and he's Mr. Consistent. Like He gives them the outlet they haven't had in the midfield. He's able to be defensively assured. He, he relieves pressure. You know, He wins the ball back high up the pitch. Like, What more can you ask him to do? Same thing in this game against Bournemouth, where they absolutely cooked Bournemouth beyond belief. And um, they seem to have a good record at Old Trafford United, which is what they always used to have, which is making home a fortress as it continues to be. And I mean, great win, of course, with Luke Shaw scoring and Rashford scoring again. And if Rashford again is getting on the score sheet, just like in Katia for Arsenal, you know the game is over. And uh, yeah, United win 3 nothing there. And when we return from the break, we will be looking at all the other fixtures in quickfire succession i hope you guys are enjoying the little you know rapid fire um mode that i got going on right now but when we return we'll be looking at the games that took place for manchester city as well as the game that took out took place for chelsea and for spurs which we'll be able to cover all of the fixtures as well when we come back from the break and now ladies and gentlemen on to manchester city one everton one again Manchester City really are expecting to uh they really are expecting to to do some some significant damage in the Premier League like they do every single season. They were they inflicted some damage on Everton in this game. 
and then only doing so just before, you know, Damari Gray, who had equalized after Erling Haaland's opening goal in the game for Manchester City. A really good pass from Riyad Mahrez, who seems to be in the form of his life right now, scoring, uh, making a great assist for Haaland and scoring a great goal against Chelsea just yesterday. And I mean, this match the City team have, again, have not been the City side that I remember them being of years past for many reasons. I don't, I don't think they have the same motivation that they typically do. Of course, Guardiola wants to win the Premier League. That's his job. Why wouldn't he want to do that? But he must be getting tired of that now, for sure. He surely must care more about winning the, the precious, you know, big ears, which is the Champions League. But again, in this game, Everton actually gave somewhat of an account of themselves. And if you know Everton, they've been quite poor this season. And Lampard, who's, I don't know how he hasn't gotten sacked yet. I'll be real. I think in the next couple of games, surely it will happen. I don't think Everton will win any of the next, you know, four or five fixtures. And I can tell you what those are right now. And I mean, for Everton's sake, you know, they play against, uh, <laughs> oh, they're going to be tricky for them. They play against Southampton at home, which they should win theoretically. But you know, everything could just bottle that. They play West Ham away, which they could get a result from as well. Because West Ham suck nowadays. Then they play Arsenal and then they play Liverpool. So it's, again, it's very, very unlikely that they pick up anything more than three points from most set of fixtures. Very unlikely. And by that rate, you'd expect Lampard to get the sack. Anyways, back to the Man City-Everton game. Like I said, Mahrez brilliant footwork to create the goal from Haaland, for Haaland. And then a really, really good goal. Like this, for me, is my goal of the week for the following, uh, for the week before, should I say. Which is the goal from Damari Gray. An absolute perler. This is just a bullet and a half. Like, it was just, wow. And almost like you knew. I'm looking at Damari Gray on the screen right now, funny enough. But you just knew... You just knew that when he got into that position, he was going to wrap it, wrap City, as we say, and score, put it top bins and make it, you know, 1-1 in the game. Everton could have gone on to win the game, I'll be honest. I don't think City really posed that much of a threat later on in the game. Everton kind of soaked the pressure and uh, made it very interesting. And, I mean, Gray seems to be the only real life, real set of life and, and, and spotlight and, and starting shining light for Everton this season. Again, he just seems to have such a constant threat from shooting from distance and, I mean, you give him that kind of time and space. We saw it against Arsenal. We're seeing it against City. He's going to continue to, you know, to find the top corner against the best keepers in the league. It doesn't matter who he's playing against. You give Gray enough time and space in the area, he's going to punish you. And that's exactly what happened. If you move on to Manchester City's next game, which was against Chelsea, uh, they won one nothing, obviously. And I don't really think that they deserve to win this game. I'm going to be real with you. I don't think that Chelsea were... Um, were very. I don't think Chelsea were poor. I thought Chelsea actually played quite well. I was quite impressed with Chelsea's performance. This one, not the one they played against Nottingham Forest, which I'll get to in a minute. Saying that, actually, Everton just scored against Manchester United. It's now 1-1, but, uh, which is pretty funny. But, um, yeah, Manchester City were not that great. There's a great goal, the way the, way the goal was created. It's classic City football, the way it found its way to Grealish, who then made it pass across the face of goal, which then beat Aspilicueta, beat Kepa, and then beat Kukurea at the, near, at the back post. All Spaniards having absolute blunders in that situation. And then Mares tapping it in. Of course, these guys were two, you know, halftime substitutions as, were they halftime or no? They were kind of mid, mid-half substitution, mid-second half substitutions. And it was just really a, it was really, really a game of two halves for sure. Because the first half, Chelsea definitely dominated and probably deserved to go ahead. Chukomeka hitting the post in this game and should have definitely opened the scoring for Chelsea. I mean, Chelsea were absolutely brilliant. I thought, I thought it's the best I've seen Chelsea play in a while, especially against a big six side. I mean, Chelsea have a terrible record against the big six sides in the last, I think, four or five years. And this game was no different with losing it, obviously, in the end. But you can, if you're a Chelsea fan, as like myself, you can be encouraged by the performance. I think bringing in the youngsters like Lewis Hall and Omari Hutchinson making his debut 
and etc. And Zakaria, who had a game and a half, I thought he was absolutely brilliant. I thought he was a standout player in this game. Was one of Chelsea's best players, if not Chelsea's best player. That little cameo where he skinned, you know, Gundogan and De Bruyne, and then find the pass to the far left is just beautiful. He did that many times. I mean, looked very technically secure, looked very capable in the midfield. Gave him, gave Chelsea that steal, that that drive. City looked a bit worried when they knew that they had to go past him because he was such a, you know, so he is such a unit, and he's difficult to get around uh, when you're trying to get to the Chelsea back line. Again, City had their one chance they took it and they won and that's what champions do so credit to where credit is due it definitely makes the title race even more interesting going forward so I can't really complain on that front at all for Everton like I said they played against Brighton I won't go over that game I already spoke about it but they got cooked against Brighton and uh yeah we'll move on to the Tottenham versus Aston Villa game Tottenham nil Aston Villa two a great game from that from Douglas Louise, who had the game of his life. He was absolutely cooking uh, Tottenham. He just looked like a player possessed this game. Douglas Louise had the game. Like I said, it was playing out of his skin. Like everything, everything Villa did went through him. He was great defensively, great defensively. He scored a fantastic goal that you'd never expect from him. Really, he's not really known for his going goal scoring ability, but the way he found himself in this area to score was again was sensational. He took the strike that led to the goal for Emiliano Buendia to score. Although it found its obviously walk-ins, then it found its way to Brundia. He was just, again, he caused mayhem in the, in the Tottenham back line. He looked terrible defensively this game. And it was funny to see because, I mean, Spurs were expecting to win. I was expecting them to win 2 nothing myself. And obviously that, ne- that never ended up happening. But from a Tottenham perspective, it's very poor. Conte was obviously very pissed. But he won't be pissed for very long because they literally went on to beat Crystal Palace 4 nothing in their next game anyways. And Harry Kane, Harry Bane, you know, who now has 190, yes, 198 Premier League goals. It's absolutely absurd. For Tottenham, my guy, 198, game, 98 goals for Spurs. That's mad. And making it 4 nothing as they won, helping Spurs win 4 nothing away at Sellers Park, which is Crystal Palace's home. Winning 4 nothing there and absolutely obliterating them. Spurs were shocking, diabolically fossil fuel, fossil football, whatever you want to call it, in the first half. And the second half, things completely changed, which is classic Tottenham. They just love to do this. They love to turn up all of a sudden in the second half of games. And that's exactly what they did. They, they just romped Crystal Palace. Kane, the two goals in five minutes. Then Doherty, who's again involved with great build of play from Kane. And then Son again, who scored, also involved in the play again for Son. It's just... Truly, man, he was a sensational game from Kane. He really stood out and was clearly the best player on the pitch by far. If you didn't think that, you weren't watching the right fixture because he stood out to me like, you know, uh, a light in a, in, a, in a room full of darkness. You could just tell this guy was going to be the one for Spurs, as he often is, and is often the only one for Spurs that can turn up, especially with Kulisevsky and, and Rodrigo Ben 10 out of 10 Tancur being injured. Um, moving on to Nottingham Forest versus Chelsea. This game finished 1-1. Really, really, really... Uh, a very poor performance from Chelsea, I have to admit. I think Chelsea were quite quite poor in this game. This is the one obviously came just before the, the City game for them. Really, 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 really poor. I mean, I just, I was lost for words. I was at a loss for words. I, I don't really think it's necessarily down to a managerial or a tactical issue. I think it's more of a personnel and lack of motivation, lack of mental, you know, fortitude, interest, a lack of uh, bite, desire, especially in the midfield with J5, who was in this, who started this game, for example. And it just made me laugh. And I realized how much better Chelsea play and how much more balance Chelsea have when Trujillo's not playing in that midfield. And I won't be talking about him for much longer. I know he'll leave Chelsea fairly soon. And if he doesn't, then, you know, I can't watch Chelsea anymore. But in this game, Chelsea were poor and deserved to probably lose the game, let alone draw it against Nottingham Forest. The great goal from Sterling after some really good football from Chelsea. The only thing I thought was 
you know, relatively uh, worth mentioning and is, is deserves his credit or deserves his flowers was the goal that led to Sterling scoring in the 16th minute for Chelsea. And then before, Mar- uh, you know, Serge Aurier had put it into the back of the net after some poor, 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 like really poor, depending from Aspilicueta, which is what, I, what I've kind of, kind of become used to. I mean, the drop off from Reese James to Aspilicueta is, is <laughs> it's, uh, it's really bad. It's really, 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 really bad. And I mean, you see this and you're just thinking to yourself, like, how is he still plan- managing to play for Chelsea in 2023 now? I genuinely, genuinely do not know. But Chelsea have a terrible record of playing, you know, the first game of the new year. They always find a way to drop points in these fixtures. So this was no different from what I was expecting. But again, obviously, it was not a great performance and uh, something that they did. That they needed to work upon for the next game, which they kind of did in their the loss, but it was a good performance against Manchester City in the following game, as you heard me cover earlier. Now for Nottingham Forest, their next game was actually against Southampton. Again, two teams that are struggling at the bottom of the table. Forest, who are a bit higher because they were able to pick up a very good win against Southampton, and they seem to have a bit of momentum in them. In uh, in them, Nottingham Forest, they've only scored I think six or seven goals this entire season in the Premier League, and Tyro Awani has now scored at least two or three of those, and he's been again a huge, huge bright spot for 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 Nottingham, and I think he'll become a very good player. I really rate him. He has the raw materials, raw minerals he needed at number nine. He's very powerful, and he's almost in stop. He's almost impossible to to hold back when he's making those forward runs. He has such a natural drive in his game, or that you know makes a run behind the defense and you know he's probably going to get to the ball first almost every time you know he's played to him just like he did in this instance to make it one nothing for Nottingham Forest at the St. Mary Stadium to make it one nil and it was just again it wasn't even a game that I, I kept too much I paid too much attention to and for many reasons I don't often watch either one of these teams I'll be real with you uh, it's not a, not a side that I'm I'm overly you know um, anticipating their games, especially Southampton. I really can't stand watching nowadays because I feel like they're just missing so much from being a Premier League side. Uh, again, I mean for for Nottingham Forest, Brendan Johnson was very very good, a player that I rate extremely highly. I really really like him. I think he has all, again another player who has all the right skills to be a top winger in the Premier League. Could play in nearly any position in the front three. I love his versatility and his in, his industry, as we say, a very indus- industrious player that gives everything for the squad every game. And that's exactly how the goal was created for Awani himself. So great goal from him, making one nothing in that fixture. We'll move on now to. The next set of fixtures, which would be for Southampton, who played against Fulham. And again, this game was not really a pretty one for Southampton, who, again, they didn't have a terrible performance. It was a great goal from James Ward-Prowse, or David Beckham Jr., as I call him. Fantastic free kick, you know, to at least level the game at the time after uh, Ward-Prowse had scored an own goal for Fulham in the first half. And then uh, and late in the second half, you had a goal from the Portuguese maestro, the absolute Don himself, who I think is going to be a world beater for Fulham. And he surely will be getting that big move in the summer, Joao Paina, who's been fantastic for them. Like I said, Marco Silva seems to love this guy. Fantastic header to make it 2-1 for Fulham late in the game. And of course, Fulham had the chance to make it 3-1, but then Mitrovic missed the penalty after a good save from Gavin Bizzunu. Uh, Fulham will be happy with this result. Obviously, they beat Southampton and then they went on to go beat Leicester in the game following, as I mentioned previously. And again, really good performance from Fulham here. And they will take a lot of credit and a lot of uh, momentum from this, who they play and now play Chelsea next in the next game. It will definitely be, you know, uh, revved up after winning their last two games in a row. Now, moving on to Crystal Palace versus Bournemouth. Now, this is the game Palace played before playing against uh, Spurs. And they had won their game, you know, the game before playing against Spurs at the Vitality Stadium against Bournemouth. And um, 
They won 2 nothing thanks to a brilliant, brilliant, brilliant delivery from Michael Alise involved in both goals for Palace in this game. And you were thinking we're going to see that see that a bit more against Spurs, and obviously Spurs destroyed them. And then in this Bournemouth game, they were not able to do any near anywhere near such thing in this fixture. And it's just unfortunate to see. I mean, for Palace, they're such an unpredictable team. One week they're good, one week they're bad, and they're always having these weird mixed patches of form. And then you know all of a sudden they turn up in some game you never expect them to. Just a very very uh, unpredictable side. Let's just say they're not really much to to go off of from them. I think they have a lot of work to do, and they have a there's some like I don't know what the word is, but they just seem so inexperienced, especially in midfield and defense. They need a bit more know-how in order to kind of continuously pick up positive results on a regular basis. Now moving on to Newcastle, who played against Leeds, and for me this game was a, another game that was quite dull. It was a very forgettable fixture. I won't talk about this for very long, but just the fact that Leeds were able to pick up a point here was relatively impressive. I think that Newcastle have been able to beat most teams at home this season, so for Leeds to not be beaten by them is a is a feat in of itself. And then obviously Newcastle went to go play went on to go and play Arsenal next, as I had already mentioned, and then we'll move on to the Leeds next game, which was between. Them and West Ham. Now, this game finished 2-2 at the at Ellen Road. This only happened about two days ago. And it was a really, really good game of football. Really, 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 really good game. I really enjoyed watching this one. I thought this was one of the better games of this match week for sure. Uh, Wilfred Genongto scoring his first goal. Or Nongto scoring his first goal uh, for Leeds. It's young Italian. And then, of course, Lucas Paqueta, Lucas Paqueta scoring his first goal for West Ham from a penalty spot. And then only really a minute after the resumption of the second half, a terrible giveaway from Brendan Aronson found this way to Gianluca Scamacca, who scored a very good finish. I love how he took it, took it on the first time strike, making it 1-2-1 one, one for West Ham. And uh, and then late in the game, Rodrigo, who, again, found some really good space just in behind, just in front of the West Ham defense, weaving his way in and then getting a brilliant finish after a great ball from Harrison to find him, making it 2-2 in the game. And it could have been even 3-2 for, for Leeds. They've been a bit more clinical in the final third going on later in the fixture. I mean, it was a really good game of football between two teams who clearly don't have any real momentum, any real... Uh, they don't seem to have that their hand on, on the pulse of the Premier League, especially West Ham right now. They've been very poor recently. Leeds also, one game they're great, just like Palace. One, great, one game they're great, one, great, one game they're not. And it, they need to find a way to be a bit more consistent. They have the players for it. They, have an actual, they actually have a very decent team. Both of these both of these teams actually have fairly you know, um, well-stocked and quality sides. But they struggle you know, to pick up, again, consistent results in the Premier League, which is, of course, normal because the league is extremely competitive. But uh, 2-2 was their final result. And it's one I think they'll both be okay with you know, going forward and uh, looking back on it you know, in, in hindsight at, at the end of the season. Um, We'll move on now. We'll continue to move on down this, you know, conveyor about down this, what's it called? This runway, this, uh, what would you call it? This treadmill of fixtures. Finally, onto the next set of, uh, of things, the more recent games that happened more recently. I covered most of these, my understanding. I simply that, yeah, I covered every single one of them. And that is absolutely sensational for me. Now, in terms of the assist of the week for the, the match that just happened, I think the assist of the week for me would probably have to be the uh the pass from Harry Kane actually no the pass from Ivan Perisic to find Harry Kane for Spurs' first goal that was a brilliant brilliant ball I mean Perisic has this in his locker we know he's capable of this and he does it on a regular basis where he's able to just whip in across and someone will, he knows someone's going to be there you know uh, you know as if that meme says F it I know I know he's in there somewhere and that's exactly where Kane was he was in there somewhere you know and I think for goal of the week for the more recent fixtures I think it would probably have to be uh, Wilfred Nongto's goal against West Ham. I really loved the way how he took the ball onto the, kind of like, you know, ch- ch- change and shifted his body shape 
to line himself up to score almost immediately. That's a skill that you can't really teach to a player. That's something they need to have natural instincts for. And the way he received it into space there, which is the first time that Leeds were able to kind of break down the West Ham defense at the time, he made perfect, perfect use of that space, uh, Nongto, and scored a brilliant goal. The way he volleyed that keeper was rooted up to the spot, couldn't move anywhere. Very, very good finish. And I, I, that, that for me is definitely my goal of the week for the, the week uh, following. Um, anything else I want to mention? I mean, the whole Chelsea-Enzo Fernandez deal is absolutely absurd. And, uh, and the fact that hopefully Chelsea signed him by the time that, you know, this comes out. Maybe he probably won't because this, this will come out very soon, so no. But, um, uh, and in terms of FA Cup fixtures, I won't be covering those. I'll be coming back again with more Premier League action. Uh, let's quickly talk about the other fixtures in Europe. Inter beating Napoli. That's an absolute, uh, that is an absolute result and a half for Inter, who have not been the greatest this season in this area, but to beat Napoli at home and for Edin Dzeko to be the guy to score as well. I mean, I've been telling people Dzeko is one of the most underrated players in the, in the history of football, especially Serie A football, I would argue. He's been a brilliant for Inter and was very good for Roma as well. Scoring the only goal of the game, great ball from Federico Di Marco. And then uh, for Napoli to lose that way in the fashion they did is obviously a bit sad because, you know, they're on the title charge themselves, similar to Arsenal in the Premier League. We saw, obviously, uh, PSG lose against uh, against La in, in, in Uber Eats Ligue 1, as we say. And for, you know, the Mbappe, 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 uh, and like, at the, at, what do you, how do you say? Hugo Akatike, who scored himself, you know, scored his first goal for PSG, I believe, or his second goal, or something like that. But it was one of his first goals for PSG. Wasn't enough. La were able to go on and beat PSG, which is a great result for them because it makes the Ligue 1 extremely interesting for once. Finally, I can see the Uber Eats League is not as dead as we as we think it is. You know, the League of Talents, it finally has some sense of closeness. I mean, they're only four points off the top La after beating PSG. And you could you could see them probably picking up some more points while PSG dropped some more points for sure. So that was definitely something to highlight. Anything else I'd like to mention? I mean, Barcelona nearly lost against a team called Intercity. And I thought that was very random. I never heard of Intercity in my life. It's not like Miami. I don't even know who Intercity are. This is a... I see this as it's a neighborhood in, in, in Thunder Bay. And that's pretty crazy how how they... Um, they're not even... I can't even find them on, on, on Google. What is this? Their club de football Intercity is a Spanish football team based in Alicante in a Valencian community. This is a joke. <laughs> they have a stadium. They were founded in 2017 and they nearly beat Barca, which is absolutely crazy when you think about it. But anyways, that's Barcelona for you nowadays. You know, banter club, if you if you, if you would like to, to think about it that way. Um, anything else I want to mention? No, the transfers. I mean, uh, Burnley in the championship have been cooking. I've been watching championship a lot recently and I think Burnley have been really, really impressive. I really enjoyed watching Burnley this season. I think this, the same Vincent company that was dominating with Manchester City as a player is doing the same thing as a manager with Burnley. And again, just again, Burnley will probably be, they'll be back in the Premier League and without Sean Dyche, which would be shocking to me because, you know, Burnley, when I think about Burnley, I think about Sean Dyche. It's the first thing I think of. So to not see Sean Dyche there would be a bit surprising. And vis-a-vis the Premier League, I mean, the Premier League continues to be interesting. The next group of fixtures, I will be covering them all, as you guys know, I'll always be doing. And there will be Fulham, Chelsea, Villa versus Leeds, United City. That's going to be the big game. And I think the, the derby will be one that's quite interesting. I think we're going to see a lot of what Manchester United are finally made up playing against Manchester City. Finally, we're going to be able to see if City or, or sorry, United are capable of keeping up this form against proper, proper opposition. Not the Bournemouths, not the Wolves, not the Nottingham Forests of the other league where you expect them to beat them at home and even away as they did. And uh, we'll see how that goes. But 
from now, that is me done with this episode of the Stephen Talk Soccer Podcast, covering the last two rounds of the Premier League fixtures. I apologize for making it so congested and so full of, you know, game after game after game after game and having like 20 games to cover as opposed to just a normal 10. I'll make sure I get back with the normal 10 like I normally do. But for now, I've been your boy, The Don. Thank you guys for listening. Make sure to download and subscribe to the Stephen Talk Soccer Podcast if I haven't said that, all, said that already. I have, like I said, more content coming, new guests coming on very, very soon. So keep your eyes and ears peeled for that. Uh, in the meantime, you know, make sure you guys enjoy your new year. First week of the new year almost finished. Um, I know I'm going to definitely enjoy mine. Uh, and yeah, thank you guys for listening as always. I hope you're back again with more football breakdowns as always very, very soon. Deuces. Hey everyone, are you enjoying the content? Please be sure to leave a rating and a review and to check out my other episodes. If you're looking for more Steven Talk Soccer content, you can find me at STS Pod on Instagram, at Steve Talks Footy on Twitter, and at Steven Talk Soccer on TikTok. Become a consistent starter in the STS squad.